Mr. Pickles? You're doing it again. We're not doing anything. You stomp me. It's disturbing my birds. You don't have birds. I could have birds. Okay, Mr. Heckles, we'll try to keep it down. Thank you. I'm going to rejoin my dinner party. All right, bye-bye. How you doing? And welcome to the podcast that'll be there for you when the rain starts to fall. Please can the rain start to fall <laughs> it's friends of the podcast a bfe friends retrospective here on best film ever that's what the bfe stands for my name's you and i'm georgia it's still hot it's still hot we've had some rain but they've been like thunderstorms that have not broken the heat they've just they break a temporary you, you you get a spell yeah yeah a temporary reprieve and then it's back from the worse than heat. ever with yeah. The humidity. Yeah, it's not the heat. No. It's the stupidity. <laughs> humid, humid. As humid. I'm turning the light off. Can you still read your paper? I will maybe be able to read the maybe. paper. Let's try this. Uh yeah. Um Oh, we'll talk about it a bit more on Sunday, which will drop Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It'd be remiss not to talk about the sub a little bit, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then we got quiet. Um, well, it's a it's a bit controversial, isn't it? Because a lot of people have got different opinions of the. You can have opinions all you want about why the sub's gone down there. Yeah. I, I don't know how you can have different opinions about should people, including a teenager, die. No, you know, yeah, yeah. So there's a cruel symmetry in that. You know, the sub is full. The of Titanic claimed the Uber five more rich. rich people. Yeah, yeah. Like. And you know, in sort of. You know, ma- arrogance in the ability of man-made structures. Yeah. And, you know, this is impenetrable and what could possibly or There's a guy on um, who's been interviewed by the, the Daily Mail's YouTube um, outlet mm-hmm. about how he'd seen the uh, the sub and chose not to go on. Yeah. Yeah, there's, so cause it, it looked guy, dodgy. Yeah, there was a yeah. guy I saw that had, um, was had on it in 2020, I think, and he basically said... There is only one person room for one person to have their legs stretched out at a time. Yeah. You have to either be sat or knelt or like basically up in each other's business the whole time you're there. Oh, like, is this the Instagram generation? Is that what this is? And by generation, I mean like a, like a specific age group. I mean the age we live, the Instagram age. Maybe mm. I should have said that. The idea that we have to access and document that we were there. Yeah. As opposed to, you know. <sighs> Do you, do you have to go? I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, I don't I don't blame them for going. I do blame them for going with that company, though, because they signed a waiver that <sighs> basically signed away any any form of... They can't sue. You can... I mean, the criminal charges can still be brought. Yeah, no, although, I although, they... although I don't know who by. It's international waters. Yeah. So I guess whatever place the boats are registered into, whatever country so, that is, yeah. I guess it would be that. But yeah, I mean, you can sign away your waivers to compensation, but if they're if it's some sort of malpractice, well, there, I just saw an, an article just popped up. Obviously, I can't verify it because I didn't really pay much attention to it. That basically that said that the someone who used to work on the ships quit because yeah. they refused to pay enough to make the windows on the ship actually. Yeah, I think I heard that. Like 
that they would sustain to the depths that they wanted to take yeah. them to. They were only like about less than like a third of what they should have been. So as it st- stood, I mean, I was sort of watching a little bit about it on my lunch hour at work, and by that point, it had passed the first estimate of how much time they thought they could yeah, make it. Yeah, that was it. last and night. And they've now, it? no, no, it was about uh, 12.30 this afternoon. Was when oh, I thought air, it was, oh, okay, no. yeah, yeah. So I was checking it out one fifteen, so about 45 minutes after the deadline. But then they've since imposed a second, much later deadline. Right. About how much oxygen's in there. Now, that's all assuming, of course, people are breathing. And that they haven't literally already been well, crushed by any sort of pressure or anything. Yeah. No, no, but uh, as, I was, as I was saying, it all depends that they're breathing um, reg- regularly yeah. and not panicking. Because when you panic, you, you breathe. breathe faster and yeah. you take up oxygen quicker. So, and that's also assuming that that second estimate is not just a way to control the narrative. Yeah, which and, it may and, well be. Which it may well be. So, uh, there's that. I mean, it's not the happiest of news and we'll, and we'll pivot and do the... Uh, do the stuff but i'll tell you what really makes me sad is that we use twitter a lot obviously here on the bfe mm-hmm. and social media in general and um the fact that people are just doing zingers based yeah. off this make me sad about humanity and going hey i saw someone, hey we've dealt with tragedy with, with jokes forever you know what i remember 9 11 pretty significantly i'm so glad we didn't have twitter at that point mm. because i don't know what would have been said and it makes me, and I love a good singer, and I love Gift of the Week, and I do all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But there's sometimes where I think mankind is losing its humanity, which is ironic, obviously. Um, we, sh- I love being funny, but the quest to being funny shouldn't make me a worse person. And it's what's happening with a lot of people out there. So hug someone. <laughs> that's my that's the bfe instruction this week go hug someone yeah all right let's uh if, you, if you're okay pivoting let's pivot let's, to let's pivot, oh yeah. my the one where heckles dies yeah. <laughs> um yeah uh there's much more pedestrian means let's uh and we have our big interview yay our big interview with larry hankin who uh was made made some time for us we're gonna have an excerpt from that later on in the app and yeah. uh and yeah, he was uh, he was quite kind of his time and uh, spoke to us about a lot of things friends and unfriends related. We'll give you the friend stuff on this because it's the friends pod <laughs> and we'll release the full thing uh, later on, uh, maybe next week, actually probably next week, next Friday. Mm-hmm. So uh, this episode here today took place October 5th, 1995. I am going to have to turn the light back on because I've already <laughs> lost light in, the, in that little time. Uh, it was 14 days after our previous episode we looked at, which was the one with Ross's new girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's look at what was going on in the world. I've got here on the night of October 5th, 1995, a series of tornadoes struck East Central Maryland oh. as the remnants of Hurricane Opal move through the mid-Atlantic region. They really shouldn't name uh, hurricanes after precious stones. Yeah. It makes it sound great. sound nice. It does. Yeah. Op- I was going, oh, oh, Opal's quite a nice name. quite like that name. I forgot, but we had a banger of a four-song set last, last time for the number one song. We had four different number one songs in four different countries. Uh-huh. Do you remember any of them? No. Okay, so the question is, what was the best... Of, so, in uh, if memory serves, in America last time, two weeks ago, it was Gangster's Paradise. Mm-hmm. In the UK, it was Boombastic. Right. In Canada, it was Hootie and the Blowfish, Only Want to Be With You. Yeah. And in Australia, it was Kiss from a Rose by Seal. 
So I have put a, a, a poll up now, and I've put a one-week timer on it. So we'll reveal, because I thought it was a series of bangers. Early results are Coolio in Gangster's Paradise. <laughs> uh, we have Kiss from a Rose in second, and then Boombastic tied for third with Only Wanna Be With You. I'm surprised. Uh, mm. I thought Boombastic would run. I think the best song is Only Wanna Be With You. I think people don't remember it. Maybe, yeah. So that's the thing. Uh, but I have the number one song at this point. So uh, three of the four are different. Okay. So... Uh, the U.S. number one song is It's Just a Sweet, Sweet Fantasy Baby. Had a resurgence a couple of years ago, didn't Do you it? know who the artist is besides me? Um, no, I, I'm hearing Ryan Reynolds say it, but I can't remember who it is. What if I said, I, I don't want a lot for Christmas. All I want for Christmas who is, why is, is my brain, you. Why is my brain's blanking? Mariah Carey. Mar- uh, yeah, Mariah Carey. Yeah. The UK number one song. I even played the video. I've never heard the song in my life. Okay. It's Fairground by Simply Red. Mm, don't know it by name. Okay. The Canadian number one song. I've got one line of the chorus in my head. Uh, oh, so I've hit the melody Till I hear it from you, hear it from nope. you. I think it was on the Empire Records soundtrack. Oh. Because I remember hearing it going, oh, I sort of know this song. Why do I still remember it ever so faintly? And I think it was used on the... Uh, yeah, on the Empire Records oh, okay. soundtrack, starring two-time Resty winner Liv Tyler. <laughs> yeah. That's what she won her second Resty Award for. Yeah. yeah. Um, Australian number one song, the only repeat. Baby, kiss from okay. a rose on the grave. So uh, do you have a favorite song of those four songs? I what was the first the one? big two were kiss from a rose yeah and it's just a sweet sweet oh that one definitely that baby. one oh, that one mm-hmm. no i'm going i'm totally going kiss from a rose no, no no absolutely oh that's like total like especially it's recency bias because that's when i first heard the song was especially two years ago if i can do guy. if i can do the the community uh remix where it's uh <laughs> it's 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 the trilogy it's it's Kiss from a Rose. It's the episode where Annie has to move out of her apartment and Jeff uh, has gone to the mall and is like faking being sick. And so the Dean forces him to sing Kiss from a Rose and video karaoke with him. Oh, yeah. So you get babies all about it. Kiss from a Rose on the grave. And then you get uh, Chevy Chase like playing something on, on the piano because he's yeah. tripping on the toxic paint. Yeah. And then you get to this hitchhiker who Shirley and Britta have picked up mm-hmm. doing the Jesus loves marijuana (laughs) but kiss my rose better song um what we've skipped uh the one with the breast milk which is the one where monica goes shopping with julie to bloomingdale's Mm -hmm. and you know uh, rachel phrase it's framed like she's cheating i was thinking of you the whole time it didn't mean anything right so it's it's funny it's another one of those sort of i don't really remember that one okay um the number one song at this time oh and joey had a contest of spritzing um he oh, was he was spraying yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. and it, there was a there was a black hat and a white hat and mm-hmm. they had a showdown. Um, but the number one song was Seven, which we've done an episode here on the BFE. Number one song, the number one movie. Sorry, was Seven. Oh, yeah, was the number one movie was Seven. Is which that we've the done. Song like, what's in the box? What's in, in the, the box? box? It turns out we've got a moment like that in this episode. So. Uh, let's go ahead and do the deep dive. Could we be any more excited? And Ooh. very much so because of what this episode represents and who we've got coming on later on. Yeah. 
Uh, this was written by Michael Curtis, one of the creators. Oh. Uh, Kurt, oh, is it Curtis? Maybe not. He's executive producer anyway. Oh, okay. Because it's not Bright Kaufman and Crane, so he's not one of the three of them, but he is no. an executive producer of the show. Uh, and uh, Gregory S. Malins. Oh, sorry, we're sorry. That's incorrect. Written by Michael Curtis, who wrote 12 episodes. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Alongside Gregory S. Malins, was directed by Kevin S. Bright. Uh, okay. Bright Kaufman and Crane. Yeah. Directed, who directed 54 episodes in total. And this is one of them. <laughs> and we open, and they're playing poker. And I appreciated the continuity. Were they? Yeah, they're playing poker. This is when uh, they're talking about, uh, well, it's a cold open. Ross comes in. You can hear the plastic chips. They're playing around the small table, though, at Monica's place. Oh, the I didn't even table. notice yep. the poker. So uh, they're saying that Chandler broke up with Joan. I have to ask, does this count for the love list? It has to. It has to, because it's a reference yeah, to, yeah. to a, a, a relationship. Yeah. That was present tense yeah so somewhere off screen between the last episode and this episode Chandler had a brief relationship with a woman called Joan okay counts uh says hey she had big nostrils she leaned back and he could see her brain (laughs) as someone who suffers with big nostrils Mm. I went oh I hope there's love out there for those of us with big nostrils I have a tiny nose so I can't relate I'm really sorry I remember the first time I realized I had big nostrils. Mm. I'm just looking at your nostrils now yeah. because I, I, they're massive. I hadn't clocked that you yep. had big nostrils. But they are. I don't think they're that big. Well, if you tip your head yeah. back, everyone's a bigger if you tip your head back. I remember I, I said this girl in, in my, my math class and we we're talking about, I don't know, we were, we were doing the whole note thing back and forth and we're like, I don't know, 17. Uh-huh. But uh, I had a great story about, about my, my, my friend Sam at, at, at one point. <laughs> And uh, in, in, it'll fit in with friends, but I'll, I'll just sort of park that there. And Sam, short for Samantha, um, I was saying, oh, she was mentioning she, her, she had something that, that she thought was was a bit of a something she she liked to change. Mm-hmm. And then I went, yeah, I got I got really big nostrils. And she responded, yeah, when you laugh, they really flare up. And I was like, wow, I thought I was just like the only one who had noticed, but it was like, no, no, she'd recognize that I, I can have flare massive my nostrils, nostrils really quickly. Okay, yes, you can. so um joey has to agree he's in a similar situation when he first moved to the city he uh which is i guess he lives on long island so he means he first went to new york proper uh to uh manhattan i would assume Mm -hmm. um he met this girl great kisser but she had the biggest adam's apple and they pause and ross says joey women don't have adam's apples and joey thinks they're messing with him and they look at each other and kind of decide that, yeah, we're messing with you. He goes, that was a good one. We were second there. I was like, whoa. And it's funny, but it's a joke you wouldn't, again, it's a joke you wouldn't make today. No, you don't make it today. Also, they cut themselves off because it's in the later episode, they make a joke that Joey thinks every Adam's apple is named after the individual person because he calls it his Joey's it's apple. Joey's apple. Yeah. So there's a uh, in, uh, continuity error there. Yeah. Uh, but the continuity error will happen later. This is the thing that will prove the yeah. continuity error wrong. Exactly. Uh, so there's our introduction, and we start with the credits. We have new credits because we don't have Chandler reacting to seeing uh, Rachel Topless. Your memory for these things is just so much better than mine. Yeah? I, just, I just don't understand how you do it's it. It's got one of my favorite Phoebe poses where she kind of like like extends her arms like everybody should be like an acknowledgement of her. Yeah. You know. Like this. Acknowledge me. Yeah, that's actually Phoebe Buffet. Uh, <laughs> and we go to the warm open, and we're back in Monica's apartment, and it's one of those few times where we're just continuing the scene. Yeah. And they're still, not not seamless, they've moved from the coffee table to the kitchen table, but, but they're still giving Chandler a hard time. Yeah. 
and uh, there's a knock at the door, and it's Mr. Heckles, our guest of the hour himself, Ooh. Mr. Larry Hankin, saying the stomping is disrupting their birds. And they, <laughs> Rachel was, you don't have birds. Because <laughs> I can have birds. <laughs> And uh, they say, we'll try to keep it down. He goes, thank you. I'm going to rejoin my dinner party, which is funny because he's dressed in a bathrobe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's it for Mr. Heckles in this episode. Yep. Um, Chandler, uh, then as he goes, you have to give me Janice. I didn't break up with Janice for picky reasons. That's a legitimate reason. They all agree. Yes, Janice is the one that you were being. Re- and then they all do their Janice impressions. Phoebe's is easily the best impression. Yeah, Rachel's is a bit rubbish. Rachel's was a bit rubbish. Joey's is the funniest. Yeah. Because it goes from Phoebe going like, oh my, I can't really do it. I can't. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes I can't. Yeah. Oh my, I'm gone. I love you, Chandler, Chandler Bing. Bing. And then Rachel tries her, and then Joey goes, "Oh, Chandler, <laughs> Chandler. oh, fast! I'm going, I'm going, friend, dresser from the nanny. Very similar voices, actually. Um, but yeah, so uh, they all look at him, and obviously we get that Joey's obviously had uh, access to a different level of conversation than yes. the rest of them have. <laughs> Which you know, I guess credit for Chandler, he was uh, he was doing a good job. Uh, which actually is kind of a slight continuity error. Mm. It's later sort of suggested that Chandler's not very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's coming on the pipe in, I don't know if it's this season or next season, but it's it's, it's somewhat soon. Uh, and so uh, there's a broom shot again from Heckles, and then Monica stamps on the floor. The broom continues. More of them stamp on the floor. A third Room shot. Everybody stamps on the floor in a shot that will definitely be used in an upcoming credit sequence. Yes, uh, they put it over the claps, don't they? Clap, clap, clap. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of forget what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and then we have a smash cut. This this episode loved a smash cut <laughs> because we usually you get the you get the you change scenes by going to an exterior shot and then and you get in. one of those great and Friends has great buffer music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like great buffer music. And, uh, but this one, it was all about smash cuts and we go in there and it's heckles being, uh, let out. I believe we have the debut, at least for our pods perspective of Mr. Traeger. It is the debut. Of oh, okay. Day. I like Mr. Traeger. He showed up in, a, in quite a few sitcoms and bit roles and comedy movies and bit roles around this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also in, oh, I just had it. Now I've lost it. Dang it. He, uh, he was in something else and now I've just forgotten. Do you want me to have a look? Or yeah, it might be Office Space I'm thinking of. I'm not sure. Ooh, 17 minutes ago, Apple News top stories. All five people on Missing Titan Sub have died, U.S. Coast Guard confirms. Oh. That is... Sad, but not surprising. Sad, but not surprising. Um, I wouldn't be so arrogant as to assume anybody involved would, 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 would listen to our little pod. <laughs> no. But... Um, I don't care if they're filthy rich. They're people who went out for what they thought was going to be a great day. Yeah. And they hugged loved ones, or maybe they had loved ones they were fighting with and they didn't get a chance to reconcile. Um, The way it should have been there for all of them shouldn't have been down there. So um, hug someone today, everybody. But it looks like it probably wasn't a long, slow death. It looks like it was some sort of implosion on the ship. Yeah, we heard about debris and things yeah. like that. So I think that's, I think that's my hope. Um, I mean, they're both scary ways to go. They are, but yeah. one is much, much quicker. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I know which one I would choose. Yeah. But um, 
Back with him. Hug, yes, so- hug, sorry, yeah. hug someone. Hug someone today. Uh, put on a comedy. Laugh. Bring someone else joy. That is uh, that is the hope. That is the hope. And that is hopefully what we, we, we can all do for each other. We're all better together than we are alone. Um, let's go back to this. And uh, uh, it feels very ill-timed. Um, but um, Mr. Traeger says... Ah, uh, they know what happened, and he said, "Oh, he must have been sweeping. They found a broom in his hand, which is kind of a dark thing. Yeah, that's never brought up again. Is nice. that the friends gang kind of kill heckles? Heckles, yeah. And we just get a tee hee hee, and then we move on. Yeah, this probably should have had some sort of impact on them. Yeah, massively. I think I've never considered this, and all the time, like." I'm now trying to figure out, I might do something on to the love list. I might do like the crimes list. (laughs) That's quite funny. This list, this like episode kind of like yada yadas through like death. Really, really like kind of like laissez faire. Like because they like get the, the guy comes in with the will and they get, they like get instant access to the apartment. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, this is not, this is not how this works. (laughs) Um, So the super says, oh, it feels like it could have been me. I was just sweeping yesterday. A, a, a funnier joke than it, than it is 30 seconds after um, that news headline comes across. Yeah. But back at Monica's, Phoebe shouts at Heckles to go into the light. Man, this is rough. Uh, <laughs> and they make fun of her for it. And she goes, hey, sometimes people need a little bit of help. Um, there's, lots, there's lots of stuff that uh, there's lots of stuff I don't believe in, but it doesn't mean it's not true. At which point I'm going, uh, that's, a, that's a strange line to say. That's a backwards of what you expect her to say. Like, that you yeah. kind of expect her to say there's lots of things that are true, that, but I don't believe in them. But it's not. It's There's lots of things I be- don't believe in, but that doesn't mean they're not true. So that's actually kind of proving yeah. the point that they spend the rest of the episode laboring over. Yeah, yeah it's true. Because she's, if she doesn't believe it, she's already said she doesn't mean that that's not true. Yeah, it's, that's a good point. And she says, you know, they're not like crop circles or the Bermuda Triangle or we're not evolution. And uh, as theme music the wwe stable evolution would say evolution is a mystery <laughs> just saying um that's why it's referred to as the theory of evolution because it cannot be 100 percent proven by, yeah but yeah i mean the scientific community would call it uh it's as close to fact as it fact. will ever get but i don't know if it is i don't know what you'd have to do to to prove it further or disprove yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think yeah. enough enough leading minds have gotten behind it that it seems to be the accepted standard yeah. That's about as oh, far oh, as yeah, I can go with that. absolutely is. But I just yeah. don't, I can't, I don't know if it is considered 100% fact. Well, by the, the, by the definition of what a fact is, I don't think it is. No. That's that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ross is agitated. Um, and I've got my notes. Hey, where's Julie? <laughs> <laughs> just just where's, curious. Just, just not where's Julie? Because Julie will be in the next episode. Okay. Um, Ross, Phoebe thinks, hey, isn't it just an all a little bit too easy? And Ross is like, what? And this is the first version of this is the worst version of Ross, but it not dialed all the way up. Yeah. But Ross thinking he's smarter than everybody else, and then especially Phoebe. Uh, yeah, I hate it when this ha- when this trope is used. When Ross like- talks down to, and he doesn't talk down to everyone, but he talks down to Rachel, Joey. Not even Joey is often, mainly the women. Yeah. Rachel and Phoebe. Yeah. And, um, and he goes, isn't it just a little bit too easy? And I kind of get it. Isn't it just a little bit too easy to think we went from a single-celled organism to the complex human beings that we are? Because it is it is massive, like yeah. It, I, well, it's, it, in one sense, it's massive because it's complicated when all these things. But yeah, isn't it easy to go? We just started from goo to you. Yeah, like <laughs> that seems a little too 
a little too simplistic to think that all this just happens by accident. Yeah. Um, Ross says, hey, it's like the air we breathe. It's like gravity. And Phoebe says, don't get me started on gravity. <laughs> and Mr. Traeger is back with Heckle's attorney. Um, and it turns out that Heckle's left all his worldly possessions to quote the noisy girls in the apartment above mine. And uh, Rachel instantly goes, let's talk money. But Monica's touched. She's like, hey, you know, to think, you know, we thought he hated us, but it's clear that we had this impact and we we must have moved him and it's a nice great slow zoom and then we smash cut again to a long wide shot of them surrounded by crap and goes he must have hated us his last revenge and uh they said, look, look at all this crap and uh chandler says crap this place sully's the good name of crap <laughs> it's a they've got chandler figured out by this point yeah um ross is still going on about evolution i'll say this this is a really weak b and c plot yeah really bad this is a really weak bnc plot um phoebe has a great shirt that's like full of newsprint newspaper and yeah, like really like cool. uh, old uh like comic booky style pictures in it yeah um kind of like the kind of that would be in uh, feature Did you ever see desperate housewives no oh there's an art style i forget what it's called it's kind of like andy warhol sort of stuff oh um yeah i know you mean pop something isn't it yes pop art pop art yeah yeah pop art. so there we go um where are we at here so uh phoebe didn't know about fossils because ross stands up and goes look there's fossils and you can see the evolution all the way through the millennia you know what he's doing that with uh, it's like troll dolls loads of birds okay and birds of course say, are... no, what did he say earlier what did mr heckle say before he died oh i could they're, have birds they're upsetting my birds uh okay interesting i could have birds yep yeah. uh yeah that's actually more of a lineup than uh his previous claims yeah. um and Phoebe says, I know about the fossils. And Ross goes, okay. And then she goes, the real question is, who put those fossils there and why? <laughs> Phoebe would have loved Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. Fake news. Okay, you have that fact, but who came up with it and planted it? <laughs> uh, which strikes, Phoebe doesn't strike me as a Republican. But <laughs> <laughs> no, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. Um, so, uh, uh, oh, they find, Joey's found the big book of grievances. And Chandler says, give me that. And he goes, oh, look, you're in here. Or he says, I'm in here. Look, uh, excessive noise, Italian guy brings home a date. And Chandler grabs it goes, oh, there's no one in here. Excessive noise, Italian guy's gay roommate brings home dry cleaning. And this, I don't know if this is the first mention, but there was a mini running plot for about a season, season and a half that Chandler, um, other people thought Chandler was gay. Mm -hmm. And that that was a joke. Chandler had a quality about him. Um. Yeah, I, I think this is still part of that time when someone thinking you were gay would have been something that you would have had to try to figure out what was the deal so you could overcome it so people wouldn't think that because it was bad if people thought you were gay. Yeah, this is still part of that. And you know what a big thing? Because that was kind of, a th- kind of a thing. And a big thing for me I remember was, it's the only credit I'll probably give this show. Well, that's mm. not true, but it's some credit I'll give a show. Johnny Galecki from Big Bang Theory, mm. who plays Leonard, the little guy. Mm-hmm. He said he was often mistaken for gay. Yeah. And someone said to him, some uh, some journalist said, does that offend you? And he goes, why would it offend me? They're, um, they're just incorrect. Yeah. So... It's not bad to be gay. They're just wrong. I'm not gay. It's just a, it's a factual inaccuracy. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not gay. And I kind of went, huh. Because it was weird. Up until that point, the message was, 
sort of rid yourself of whatever it is that's causing that misconception. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it speaks to kind of, and I I think it goes all the way back to, I I don't even know when it would start, some centuries old. Yeah. This sort of. uh, uh, Heightened, obviously, with the AIDS pandemic, but this fear of people (sighs) thinking you're gay. Maybe. I'm not sure about the about the impact of that because I don't think people were afraid of being seen as gay because it was afraid that you'd therefore be seen as well having having AIDS or potentially. No, no, I don't think I don't, I don't think it was that at all in the '90s. As someone who lived in the '90s, that was not a link. Okay, in the '80s, sure. No, no, yeah, I was talking generally. You, but you I'm were going, talking centuries. I was talking. Oh yeah, but I'm talking about okay. So I'm also about talking about 1995 though as well. The same and beyond. Okay, and beyond. Um. Yeah, interesting. I think in the 80s, you're 100% right. Yeah. In the 80s, because that was, for the longest time, it was seen, I mean, if you want to know more about this, we did a whole interview with the directors of After 82. Mm-hmm. And I recommend people go ahead and give it a listen. We have people who were affected by the AIDS pandemic yeah. in the UK in 1982 on the uh, pod, and it was great to hear them share their story. I mean, it is June. very it's personal Pride stories. Whoop, whoop. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, so it was that. Uh, where are we at here? Rachel, on the opposite side of this, uh, Rachel's found a seashell clock. Now, here's the thing. Rachel's presented as someone with style, mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah. This is tacky. But she says it's tacky, and that's why it's great. Uh, I, I take it that you like these these objects. Uh, no, not massively, but I can appreciate like tacky things being cool. There's a lamp, and then there's a girly clock, and a girly clock is a naked doll um, on top of a clock, mounted on top of a clock. Yeah um and so meanwhile rachel challenges that uh monica still thinks of the apartment as only her apartment and monica is frozen i'll tell you what so am i because every time that i make reference to it i say we're back in monica's apartment i don't say monica and rachel's apartment now why is that everyone refers to it even like in research as monica's apartment why is that well because monica's the constant yeah people move in people move out with the exception of a six-week period where the boys live there it's monica's Monica's apartment. apartment yeah um, and Monica at one point lived there with Phoebe. At one point she lived there with Rachel. At one point she lives there yeah. with Chandler. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Phoebe goes on about uh, oh Ross goes on about opposable thumbs. How could I be doing this? I have opposable thumbs. And, <laughs> these, and uh, Phoebe goes on about maybe the we needed them to fly our spaceships. Yeah. Uh, Phoebe asks Ross why is this obsessive need to make everyone agree with him? Maybe it's time to put Ross under the microscope good line good line um i often say i when i was younger i identified with chandler i see elements of myself in ross mm-hmm. and the idea that i need to convince everybody that i'm right uh, i think there's elements of that i think so uh i think i pick up on people's pushback better yeah. than ross does but uh not for something in that i think and i think the fact you work in academia doesn't now granted he's not in academia yet he's been successful in academia but he's not an academic he's got a phd but he's not a teacher yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're a teacher, maybe it's because you're used to being the one who brings the knowledge. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Heckles had a high school yearbook and Chandler flips through it. And he says, oh, Heckles, you uh, crack me up. You're the funniest kid in school, one of them says. And this is where Chandler starts noticing a bunch of similarities. As we notice, he's missing the top digit of the middle finger of his right hand. Yeah. yeah. Well, on this, it was at this point where I realized that Oh, Heckles isn't a name they've called him. That's actually his name. But I I kind of thought it was a nickname because he's no. When they called him Mr. Heckles, them. when they called him, that's true. Yeah, when yeah. they called him Mr. Heckles to his face, I think I just always assumed it was just one of those lazy sitcom names. 
Uh, I just, yeah, I yeah. know. I, I just thought they were taking the mick. But. No. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, never really. Uh, or maybe I've seen this too early and therefore never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they both played clarinet. They were both funny, yada, yada, yada. Chandler is thrown thinking they're the same and then they hear a noise from upstairs and he uses the broom to hit the upstairs roof and the camera has to get nice really low so we can see it. And I'm like, I would kill for a ceiling that height. <laughs> I've never lived in a house with a ceiling anywhere near that high. Um, All ceilings are high to me. Yeah. Uh, days later, or maybe it's just the next day, but Chandler's on the couch looking at photos of women that Heckles rejected and it's got, uh, and it's got notes on the other side. It says things like too tall, too smiley, too, makes noise when, when, when she chews, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And Chandler again sees the comparison between them and Joey just took him out of it. He goes, look, you know, the trains might be, uh, we'll be at different trains, but we're on the same track 30 yards apart. Bittertown, Aloneville, Hermit Junction. <laughs> I don't know if this is him, if he want to come up with this, or if he's just rescuing, just, you know, the dialogue. Yeah, he does rescue whatever this is here. Yeah. His delivery is very funny. It's very good. And I, I, uh, Bright Kaufman and Crane said that when they did the pilot, mm. no one, uh, Chandler just seemed like a loser. Yeah. And then Matthew Perry came in and they went, oh, okay, it is funny. Yeah. We just needed the right guy to read it. Yeah. Um, Joey's wearing some Nike gear, which has to be some sort of product endorsement because, uh, you know, Nike's be, is probably one of the biggest brands of, of 90s and they're on the biggest show of the 90s. Yeah. Uh, you'd be silly not to use this for some sort of uh, uh, below the line marketing. <laughs> Uh, Chandler wonders, what if I've already dumped the best girl because, you know, the girl I'm supposed to spend my life with because she does this or does that or pronounces it supposedly. <laughs> and uh, he asked Joey, will you, when you get married, will you invite me around for holidays? <laughs> and your role as the friend here is just to say yes, yes. to the empty, to the empty request. Yeah. And Joey so treats it leg- legitimately and goes, hey, I, I, I don't know. What I'll have to this? check. What if we're going around to her parents' place? And Chandler goes, yeah, I guess you're right. And he's determined that he's not going to end up like Heckles, and he leaves while Joey ponders the use of the word supposedly. (laughs) Chandler picks up the phone. The music gets really intense, and he goes, hi, it's me. And we smash cut to Maggie Wheeler saying, oh, my God. And the last time we saw her was, uh, you know, you you love love me, me, Chandler Chandler Bing. Bing. You need me. You want me. You can't live without me. Uh, Now we go to Central Perk, and they're all reacting to the fact that he's called Janice. And he goes, yes, Janice. Janice is great. Janice is my last chance to have somebody. And Janice walks in, and Janice is pregnant, which is the first time we get Chandler going, oh, my God. (laughs) Joey goes, Look how fat she got. <laughs> I think, oh, I think okay because it's Joey. Yeah, yeah. Because it is. Yeah, it's not. It's not taken seriously yeah. by any of them. Um, Chandler goes, "Is it mine?" She goes, "You wish, Chandler Bing. You're looking at a married lady." And my notes are, how long has it been since you love me, you want me, you can't live without me? I'm thinking it's got to have been like, New Year's was the second time Janice was on. There was a third yeah. go here. Yeah. So we're looking at like, in, in actual calendar time? Yeah. Six, eight months. And she is like 
six to eight months pregnant in this show. So we're talking that she must have <laughs> rebounded. Yeah. Ended up with someone. Yeah. Uh, gotten pregnant on first, second, third, fourth date. Yeah. And then decided to get married. Make each other honest. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, uh, if we're looking at the actual, if we're assuming that time in the Friends universe runs parallel to our time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which it would, because characters don't, if anything, sometimes it slows down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, she, he goes, why didn't you tell me over the phone? And she goes, what? Miss this face? Janice likes to have her fun. And we go back to Monica's place. And Monica, in, in, in the C plot that shouldn't have existed, goes, you know what we haven't played in a while? Hide the lamp. <laughs> Just leave the lamp <sighs> alone. The lamp's not that bad. Ross shows up in a full sand-colored suit. What was your thought on Ross's sand-colored suit? I was like, why is he wearing a full suit? I was really genuinely confused because he was wearing it in the coffee shop as well. I guess he's in academic mode. But he was wearing it in the coffee shop. I didn't recognize in the coffee shop. Yeah. Okay. Because that's when I first noticed it and went, why are people in... Because Chandler was in a full suit as well. And I was like, well, it makes sense if he's like meeting with like Janice and wants to like look nice. But then it panned and so was Ross. I'm like, why are, it, why are we all in suits? I don't know. So uh, he wears... Um, so, he cuts, so he comes in, he puts a briefcase on the table and you might ask yourself, what's in the box? What's in the box? Turns out it's fossils, scientific facts that are over 200 million years old. And before he can go into his righteous indignation and academic lecture, uh, Phoebe stops him and says, Ross, are you telling me that you are so unbelievably arrogant that you don't believe there is a teeny tiny chance you might be wrong about this? Because she says there wasn't a time when the brightest minds in the world thought the earth was flat. And you guys thought the atom was the smallest thing till you cut it open and a bunch of crap fell out of it. <laughs> and But by phrasing it, are you telling me that you are so unbelievably arrogant? The way mm. she's phrased it is is really hard to say yes. Yeah, yeah. He, the way you do is you attack the argument going, it's not it's not arrogance. Yeah. But he has to go, okay, there might be a teeny tiny. And he's not he's not giving her anything really. No. But she goes, oh, I can't believe you caved. <laughs> And he goes, what? And she goes, you just abandoned your whole belief system. Before I disagreed with you, but at least I respected you. <laughs> oh, how are you going to face the other scientists at work on Monday? How will you face yourself? <laughs> and with, I'm glad she gets this because yeah. he is such a dick to her at he times. Is, he is. And without a word, Ross just packs up his suit and walks out clearly distressed. Yeah. And it's good. Ross gets comeuppance because yeah. he has been an academic ass. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Phoebe just goes, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Monica legitimately breaks the lamp by accident, but Rachel comes in and doesn't believe it. So Monica asks Phoebe and Phoebe just goes, I want to believe you. I wasn't looking. Um, and so Chandler walks in and Rachel's all upset. And Rachel goes, hey, Chandler, Monica broke my seashell lamp. Chandler goes, neat. I'm going to die alone. <laughs> and Rachel just goes, okay, you win. And uh, they, they ask what's wrong with him. And he goes, Janice was my safety option. And now I've got to get a snake. And they go, what do you mean? He goes, look, if I'm a lonely old man, I'm going to need a thing, you know, a hook. Uh, I figure I'll be a crazy man with a snake. Crazy snake man. Then I'll get more. Call them my babies. Kids will walk by my place. They'll run. Run away from crazy snake man. They'll shout. <laughs> and just the uh, sentence structure of run away from crazy snake man, comma, they'll, they'll shout. shout. Yeah. Love that. 
Uh, for me, it's they've had two really great moments in the span of about sixty seconds. Yeah, the bit with a side, the bit with, with with Phoebe. Yeah, and then this. Yeah, uh, Chandler says, "Look, I push these great women away because of some small detail, and then I bitch about how there aren't any great women out there." And they say, Chandler, you've described every man we've ever been with. <laughs> you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just a guy. But now you're different. He goes, what, bad, different? They go, no, good, different. Because you called Janice. You are ready to take risks. You are ready to be vulnerable. You are ready to make a commitment. <laughs> At which point, Chandler gets out of the chair and goes, well, I don't know about that. And you notice Rachel's wearing a wedding ring. Yeah. And she has it on for the rest of the rest of the episode. She, she might have had it on the whole time. I don't know. Don't it just feels odd. It does. Um, back to Heckle's place. Um, we're getting towards the end. Monica gifts Rachel the girly lamp. Says it will look good in our apartment. <laughs> uh, Chandler has a date from work. They go, hey, she's pretty smart. Uh, she works with him, but she has an unusually large head. But he's not going to let stuff hang him up anymore because he's growing. Uh, everybody leaves. Chandler decides to hang on just before that to Heckles' yearbook. Someone should remember him. Monica wants to take a few moments, and she stands behind this magnifier that's kind of been there the whole time. Yeah. Um, and so the gang laughs at her because she's standing behind it. And uh, then Joey takes it with him. Uh, the, the joke, I think, obviously being he, he's looking forward to standing behind it. Yeah. Um, and then, um, everybody leaves and Ross, who's just totally after he's left. That's the end of his arc. Like there's no last moment between him and Phoebe. Like he's, he locked out of the apartment. We've left his, his plot there. And, uh, he, he's asked, you know, he's coming to says, yes, give me a minute. And he looks down the floor, the brooms there. Like they were all walking around this broom on the floor. When this shot opens, yeah. they like, they're both Ross and are stood where this broom would have been. Yeah, but also yeah. Ross and uh, Phoebe are like knelt down, like fiddling with like bin bag strings as if they're tying them. But they're clearly not doing anything because I was watching both of them. And then they both stand up at the same time. And then there's still like little bits of rubbish all over the place. So I don't know why they couldn't have put these bits of rubbish away in the bin bags. But it just it's just lots of little bits in this where I go, this is, you didn't even try to make this realistic. What are you doing? <laughs> so Chandler puts the... Uh Jennifer looks at the broom, sees it, puts it against the wall, takes one last moment, looks at the apartment and says, goodbye, Mr. Heckles. We'll try to keep it down. And you know what? It, it's, it's a sitcom-y episode. It, it, it's a sweet ending. Yeah, it's a lovely ending. Uh, and then that's it. And then we get the coda. Chandler's on his date, and we're behind. The camera's positioned behind the head of his. It's an over-the-shoulder shot behind yeah. the head of his date. And the head is, it's got a wig on, so yeah, it, it's, massive. it's massive. And we hear Chandler's inner monologue, and he's going, that is an unusually large head. <laughs> he goes, it doesn't look this big at work. Maybe it's the lighting. My head must look like a golf ball at work. He goes, okay, look, you're being stupid. List five things you like about her. Nice smile, good dresser, big head, big head, big head. <laughs> and the And that's our episode. Yep. So we're both rocking big cups of water here. Mine's juice. But yeah. Oh, okay. I got water. So it's apt that we're doing the water cooler now. <laughs> the water hole. Um What's changed in the life of our friends? Okay, so Chandler, we've established explicitly Chandler can't commit to women. Yep. That is, I think, maybe the first mention that Chandler can't commit to women explicitly as a character Explicitly, thing. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, we continue to go. How dumb is too dumb for Joey? Yep. Uh, that's kind of moving down a bit. Yeah. Uh, the bit where they all decide to kind of let him off and he's just kind of foolish about the yeah. whole Adam's apple thing. Uh, Ross continues his super academic side, but it's, it's very minor character tweaks. Yeah, there's nothing major. Nothing for the girls. And then, of course, the big thing is no more Mr. Heckles. Yeah. So, Except uh, not because he's in the flashback. He'll come back in a flashback. Yeah. Or so, as far as the sort of linear Active. Um, sort of timeline, yeah. this is it. Uh, whose story is it? Um, I don't know. Okay, I think Other than Mr. Heckles? I, he's dead? I think it's clearly Chandler's episode. Oh, yeah, of course. Because Heckles is like... Yeah, of course it is. It's like a surrogate for... Yeah, I completely forgot that storyline. Yeah. What, you mean like... The main one, yeah. The main yeah, one, yeah. even though yeah, it's yeah. called the one where... Oh, where Mr. Heckles dies, yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite friend? Uh, Phoebe. I'm going to go Chandler again. It's, yeah, it's, it's close, but I'll give some love to Phoebe. Okay, favorite joke moment? I imagine we're going down the same lines. It is either one of those two moments. It's one of those two like moments, isn't it? Within a minute of each other, yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to give it to Phoebe because she doesn't get as many moments like that as Chandler gets moments like that. That he's one. There's, there's Chandler other times gets, Chandler gets, gets a higher joke sort of per episode yeah. quota, without question. Uh, but these are the two characters most likely to have moments like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hottest for uh, costume department. I liked Phoebe's uh, newspaper t shirt. That was good. Yeah, Phoebe and Phoebe. I'm with that on that. Uh, hottest friend? Um, Probably Phoebe in the purple dress that she's wearing, purple and white polka dot dress when she's doing the uh, speech back to Ross when he's got the fossils in the briefcase. That's a good dress. I do want to make note to this magical sweater that Rachel wore. That although it was like a thick oh, material. Yeah, this was really weird. It had typical early 90s pokey. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know how they've achieved this because it... It just does. It must have been really cold on set. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go for Phoebe the newsprint. I, I thought it was just a cool look, so she's my hottest friend this episode. Um, anybody's hair and makeup? No, there's nothing really to talk about with hair and makeup this episode. Yeah. The love list. Chandler gets two. Yeah, Chandler gets Joan at the start of the episode. I think her name was. He broke yeah. up with Joan. I forget what the name of the girl from the office was, but I will find out. Um, we might begin with an M. I can't remember. Maybe a G maybe i remember but uh so he gets two more to add to his total i don't have a the laptop on in front of me because i'm just trying to not boil yeah guest star of the episode and it's so tempting um do you have any thoughts oh it's mr heckles or janice isn't it but is janice still a guest star at this point well anybody who's on the main sex yes i think so or, or, or a recurring star this is uh, okay yeah so i think maggie wheeler's always up for grabs just like susan's always up for grabs just like carol's always up for grabs okay so I want to give it to Mr. to Mr. Heckles, but he's he's got like two lines and then he's done. Yeah. I think everybody has like two lines and they're done though though. Yeah, there isn't very much at all. I'm gonna give it to Larry Hank and Mr. Heckles because he got an episode named after him. Yep. So likewise? Yeah. Okay. Things that fell flat. Um, there's it, a few jokes in here that you just wouldn't make today. They weren't necessarily horrendous. They weren't the most horrendous ones that we'll find in Friends, but you wouldn't make them today. This, this this isn't like the the Vitaler in prison. No, this isn't that. No, it's just they're just know, not tasteful anymore. I mean, if, if a guy came home and said he was, you'd probably say to him, "Were you aware that you were kissing? Yeah, um, a trans woman." 
Yeah. Um, but then it's hard to go to a jokey place with it because then is is it their is it their gender if it's the joke? Yeah. Whereas here for gender is the joke. Well, Joey's Joey's stupidity stupidity in both cases is the joke, but it would be really hard to to negotiate that tightrope today. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it fell flat per se. Uh, Unless things that fell flat, I'll continue to go. I don't like, although he gets comeuppance, so it's fine. But I don't like academic ass Ross. No, I don't. So, yeah, there we are. And I think it's that Ross that you get that sticks with me, and that's the reason I don't like him. Uh, things that show this is the nineties. Um, um, I guess the idea about going out there and dating people in the office and all that stuff, and they're not all on apps. Yeah. Um, not knowing Janice was already pregnant and married. Oh, that's a good point. You'd know because you'd have her as a friend on Facebook or Instagram, yeah, and that would have yeah, all yeah. been documented. Yeah. Yeah, that idea that you'd lose touch with someone for six, eight months, and they come yeah. back into your life, and you're like, whoa, what happened? Yeah. Okay. Pitch an alternate title. Um, I don't know. I'm bad at this. Mm, the one with Rachel's new lamp. Yeah, the one with the seashell lamp. I mean, I got to say, a, a plot, B plot. The only plot worth any money is the A plot. B plot, which would which would, A plot's Chandler Bing. Yeah. Uh, and Heckles. Uh, B plot, Ross and Phoebe. Yeah. C plot, the lamp. Yeah. Which is um, for a plot to be literally about a lamp like this is i guess it's the idea it's a little bit deeper but not really well i guess hang on we said about what changed in the lives of our friends monica now sees it as monica and rachel's apartment or at least is placating rachel until monica decides she's gonna tell rachel to move out yeah she's she's she doesn't see it if it's their apartment rachel if it's their apartment then rachel should get a say in this yeah when it's time to, to 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 go yeah yeah um so there we go uh, the critics, no critics this week. The ratings, uh, 8.2 on the old IMDb, 30.2 million viewers. Uh, second highest of a season. It's only been three that episodes. Felt, that felt high. What, 30.2? Yeah. I think it was like 31 or 32 for the season opener. Right. So huge numbers. The kind of numbers you wouldn't see on TV. Like, yeah, n- yeah, nothing yeah. gets this audience today. Uh, i tell you what. Let's pause here mm. and let's go ahead and we're going to throw to our interview with Mr. Heckles himself. We must have been making some noise because I hear a knock at the door. It's Mr. Heckles, Larry Hankin. Let's cut for our interview with him at this time. So uh, our guest today, um, a man who I think, well, according to his own words, is that guy. But let's tell you about that guy. Uh, he started off with a degree in industrial design from Syracuse University, beginning his career in film, according to my research, as an illustrator. Almost 60 years of film credits. The only man beside Brian Cranston to appear in Seinfeld, Malcolm in the Middle, and Breaking Bad. He's appeared in films such as Escape from Alcatraz, Pretty Woman, Amazon Woman on the Moon, Home Alone, Annie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and TV shows like Mad About You, L.A. Law, Star Trek Voyager, He's played a homeless man three times. He's played God twice. But I think most people might recognize him best as Mr. Heckles. His book, That Guy, A Cautionary Memoir, is available on all good web platforms. We couldn't be more delighted to be joined by that guy, Larry Hankin, today. Hello, Larry. Um, how you doing? I, I'm doing fine. Uh, you sound great. 
Uh, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. Jeez. Um, I'll tell you what, I was, uh, I've been flipping through your memoir, dipping in and out. And first you're off, not reading every single word, <laughs> you're just flipping. I intend, I intend to read every single word, oh, but okay. I thought, I thought full transparency here. <laughs> as as, uh, can I, can I just compliment what I think is, is a wonderful storytelling, uh, style that you that you, your voice comes across oh, in the book it's it, it, it's a really funny self-deprecating informative read that you come away with this nugget of a story in in every chapter it's it's been an absolute uh delight just to sort of peruse through it on my way to reading the whole thing cover to cover <laughs> okay okay glad you added that thank you very um, much well thank you for you know saying all those good words i mean we worked on it. I tried to do what you say, and um, I think we we did it. You know, I mean, I try to make it a nice story, but the the key to that is the trick to that is I was telling all those stories after each show. You know, I'd do like say Friends or Seinfeld, and then my friends would ask me, "Hey, you know, what was that like working with blah blah blah?" And I and I tell them this the story. And I, after a while, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to forget these stories if I don't get them down. So I recorded them, you know, verbally just talked into a microphone. And another friend of mine, there's an app that you can, um, Microsoft, I think, you can take a tape and you can feed it into the app and it'll type it out. So that's how this, that's how the book came about is he fed it into this app and it typed it out. And then I wrote the book from the typed out series. What a tremendous ability to go ahead and do that conversational tone totally comes across in the book. Actually. Yeah. And that people, that's what people said. They say, Hey, it's like somebody's talking to me. They said, yeah, I, I, I think it's a natural story, a natural storyteller, sir. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you. I, I have to ask, I made an assumption right off the start, and so I do want to go ahead and start with this. Is Mr. Heckles, is, uh, from my perspective, I'm going, this, this has to be the role that you're most um, maybe recognized on the street for, things things of that nature. Am I incorrect, or is that is that the one that people seem to resonate most towards? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out why. I've, there's two things I think. Um you you tell me. One is his attitude was just universal. It's just he was like the cranky a cranky landlord, which is what I took the character from. My grandfather was a cranky landlord of, of an apartment house, and he was Mister Heckles. So I guess I'm doing my grandfather is basically what I'm doing. But the the other so that it's that attitude of his, Mister Heckles, that I think connects with people. He's not nice. He just says what's on his mind. And it was written that way. So uh, I just, I, I didn't add anything. I just read what was on the page. And I thought, my grandfather, that's what he did. Uh, and the other one um, is that, <clears throat> I don't know, the writing. I, th- I think the, the writing, the, the, the character is just written very well. I didn't add anything to it. But I was attracted to it when I read it. I mean, I just said, man, I want to do this. This is a really cool part. Because he was just against everything that you're supposed to be on television. You know, he's cranky. 
He didn't like anything. Everybody owed him stuff. I mean, he was just, you know, off the wall. So I loved it. That, and, so, and I guess everybody else did, too. I think it's the juxtaposition. I've never, I've never actually unpacked it, but yeah, I think it's the, the juxtaposition of this cantankerous landlord type opposite the six super optimistic TV yeah, sitcom yeah, effervescent exactly. individuals, and you play him against Mr. Heckles, who who has kind of a, a, a very straight delivery vo- verbally, which kind of goes against the rise and the falls of yeah, the sort of yeah. traditional laugh tracky kind of sitcom thing. I think it's a wonderful counterpoint. He seems to be the... Yeah, it's exactly a counterpoint. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. He kind of is the character that everyone loves to hate, but also kind of wants to be that person sometimes. I can imagine if (laughs) I lived above or below those people, yeah. No, I would be that person too if I lived (laughs) lived above or below these guys that are just always loud and always whatever. I think I'd be a Mr. Heckles every so often. (laughs) I did. I had dinner with a friend last night and I did Mr. Heckles. Not on purpose. I was just like <laughs> railing against him. I mean, for no, you know, because he was a friend, you know, and I said, well, I got a vent. I, I, I didn't think that. I just, I, I, in the middle of the conversation, I said, you know, he said, boy, you're really like uh, on, a, on a high horse about this topic, which is uh, homo sapiens. I was going on about <laughs> our species is just on the wrong track. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going on about. There's a Mr. Heckles rant about the, uh, about the planet. And uh, he said, you know, boy, you're really, you know, getting on about that. I said, I guess I'm renting. It's just Mr. Heckles. I'm just taking him home with me. Uh, but I haven't done him in years. But, but everybody talks about Mr. Heckles on the street. If I'm stopped, it's Mr. Heckles that they talk about. Weird. Um, did you, you, you complimented the writing on, on, on the show. Yeah. Did you, I mean, you, you've got, had a long career, you've done a lot of television. Was there, did you know there was something magic going on when you first signed up for, I think it was the one with the blackout, the one with the cat. Did you know in that episode that this was going to be something special or was it just a, a nice gig and now we're on to the next one, but didn't really, um, it, 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 it was just, it's just a normal day at the office, so to speak. All my roles are just a normal day at the office until I get there. Uh, and then, you know, shit happens. You know? Uh, and that's what the book is about. The, the, the shit that happens when you're going to just, to, you know, your job. You're just trying to do a good job. That's what you're trying to do. And then, you know, the wheels fly off or something goes wrong or something goes really great. Um, but it's a crapshoot. I mean, you don't know until you get there. First of all, it's a weird, it's a weird industry. I don't, it's not a business. It's an industry because everybody is a, everybody has a title and there's like a million directors that you have to go through to get to a real actual director whose title is in the credits. In other words, you're cast by a casting director. And then you go to the costume director. And then you go to, I don't know, another kind of director. And then you finally get to the director director who's directing the show. And this is the first time you meet him. So he didn't hire you. You've gone through 
two, at least two, but at least three, uh, the makeup department and the costume department and the casting department. And then you get to the directing department, which is the set. So he's just meeting you for the first time, you know, the, the director of the show. And that's all the shows that I've ever done. Sometimes the director is there at the casting session, sometimes. I guess as you go up the scale and you get bigger parts and you become more important, or the, the character becomes more important, I think then the director starts to show up. But in a lot of my roles, I was just like a you know one-off, you know, a one-day player. And I just happened to, you know, hit the right tone so people remember it. But I get on the set and, uh, well, here's a perfect example. Three times I have been taken for the character that I was playing. One time I was playing a Hell's Angel and the director confessed after the show was over. He apologized for the way he related to me because he thought I was a real Hell's Angel. And he didn't want to talk to me because he thought it would start a fight and he would lose. So he avoided me. And I was wondering the whole time. He's directing everybody. He's talking to everybody else, giving everybody else directions. And he's avoiding me. The only thing he would say is, yes, stay there or move over there. And that would be it. But other than that, no, no contact at all. Uh, three times that happened. Uh, one was the Hell's Angel. One was, um, oh, I, I, the character was written to be on LSD. Uh, <laughs> Kokolovich in uh, uh, Armed and Dangerous. Kokolovich was written as, a, as an acid freak who gets hired to be a, 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 you know, a cop sort of thing, a guard. But the director wouldn't talk to me the entire time. And I was on that for a couple of days. And I, you know, I, I said, well, he's weird. You know, the director is weird. He just doesn't talk to me. Okay. And then about a year later, I met him at a party and I said, you remember, you know, you, we, we did that thing. And I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You would ask Kokolovich. Yeah. I said, why didn't you ever talk to me? He said, I thought you were on acid. I thought they had hired somebody who was on acid. He just took acid and that was the point. I didn't want to come near you because I didn't, I didn't want to start a fight. I didn't know how to talk to you. He kept on repeating things. That was the, 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 the weirdness. He'd say, uh, stand over there. He'd talk loud and slow to me. And I said, well, you kept on talking loud and slow to me. He said, yeah, I thought you were on acid and you didn't understand things. Because... I said, well, why did you assume that I was on acid? I was an actor. He said, well, because when you were off, you know, when you weren't working and, and being in a scene and you just, I would notice that you would just be quiet and watching things, you know, like somebody on acid. And I said, no, I was just curious as to how, how you make a movie. It was a movie. Yeah. I, said, I was curious. So I was just into everything. I'm, I'm a curious person. So I'd just be watching how the crew sets up this or how they set up the camera or what the angles were or how they do it. And he says, so I think I assumed you were on acid. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. And then there was another time. So, I mean, a lot of times I don't know why people are relating to me or 
I just took a character because it just occurred to me. There was no no meaning behind it. No, I didn't have a plan about the character, Mr. Heckles or Kokolovich. I had no plan. I was just, okay, because I come from Second City. You know, you, people yeah. just yell out a, uh, a suggestion and you just got to do it. You, there's no time to, you know, go backstage. and So that's where I was coming from, you know, improv. Is it challenging as someone who's got a such an uh, intense background in improv? Is it challenging then to stick to the writing as written? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can I say this? No, just read it as written. Uh, uh, I can say it funnier. No, just read it as written. I mean, because uh, you have to go through a whole bunch of. People to get it changed, you know, they have to, well, the writer isn't here. You know, we got to send it upstairs. Uh, you know, Larry Hankin, who's doing this part, wants to change the words. Can he say this instead of that? And then they got to come through the, the writer, then the director, then maybe the producer has to say something. And, you know, I forget it. I don't, I don't even want to say what I wanted to say anymore. Just, I'll just <laughs> do this. On, it's okay. Uh, I mean, it's just... You know, that's the job. <laughs> you know, the, the the job is not acting. The job is just listening to all the people saying what you can and can't do or what you have to and can't wear. You know, can I wear this? No, you have to wear that. Yeah, but this is right. No, just don't. Just put this on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, people are just ordering you around because they can. Because, you know, well, I'm the costume director, so... I mean, I've, I can go on and on. <laughs> it's just, that's why I wrote the book. Man. Absolutely. It's a cautionary tale. <laughs> Here I'm telling you what it's all about. It's a caution. I'm just telling you, be careful. If you want to be an actor, be careful what you wish for, because you're going to get it in spades, man. Um. You had a, a, an iconic, and I want to come to it a little bit later, an iconic sort of one-shot episode on Seinfeld when that was maybe the biggest sitcom in America. But th- yeah. So you have that experience. Then a few years later, you get Friends. Did you know it was going to blow up? Did you know it was going to be huge? Well, you never know, man. I mean, you, you had mentioned this before about, you know, do you, do you know? Yeah. You show up and you do your part. And then a couple of months later, you know, it comes out. Or sometimes it's a year if it's a movie, you know, you don't even know. But you don't, you don't know. I mean, I was on um, <clears throat> Friends before it went on the air. Yeah, because what they did is they shot six, you know, episodes. And uh, I even asked, because I was, uh, it turned out I was on the third episode that was finally shown. They showed three. I was. In, uh, they showed the six, and I was in the third episode. But when they they shot the six before anything went up the air, I asked when my episode was going to be shown because I wanted to watch it and see what I did. And they said, "Well, we don't know what the order is yet. We're going to watch all six, and then." put them in the right order. You know, we want to put the best one first. And, you know, so they said we didn't know. And then when the first, they thought it was going to be go on first, uh, our friends, the one that I did, uh, Mr. Heckles. Yeah. 
So they thought that would go on first. And then when it did come on, it wasn't first. So I then I called and I said, well, okay, now that the first one is on. And they said, it's going to go on third. So that's, so you, you never know. You just go in, you do your job and whatever happens and the story that comes out of that. But you don't know if you're going to be famous or it's going to flop or you're even going to be in it. A lot of times you're in a movie. A, the movie doesn't come out ever. So you don't even know. Or B, it comes out and you're not in it. They cut your scene, you know. Or you come out and you're a big star. And well, how did that happen? I, you know, I don't know. So it's a crapshoot. Acting is a crapshoot, I think, you know. I mean, I got to tell you one thing. Before, before one, and then this is, see, what I'm doing, I'm also listening to myself go on about this as I'm talking to you. You know, I, I hear what I'm saying. And I've done a lot of podcasts. And it always comes down to me venting about, you know, and, and, and the book. But I never wanted to be an actor, ever. To this day, it's not my thing. I just did it because I could, and I was kind of good at it so I could get another job. But the money is so great that it's hard to refuse, and that's the trap. That's how they keep you there. Not how they get you there, but how they keep you there. Because you get a high salary, you get a nice apartment, and then you have to keep up the apartment by getting these jobs, by kept keeping on auditioning or becoming an actor because you can't get any other job that pays that much money to pay the rent on the apartment that you got because you were getting a lot of money being an actor. So it's like, and you stop being an actor. Now you're just paying for the apartment by being an actor. You know, what happened? You know, where'd, where'd my dream go? I, I wasn't dreaming of being an actor. So that's what's going on. That's where I'm coming from, is that I never dreamed, I never thought, it never occurred to me when I was growing up to be an actor. I just fell into it, and they started paying me a lot of money. And I go, wow. And all of a sudden, you're trapped. I got to get another job. Send me up for another job. I got to get another audition. Why? You just, yeah, but I got to pay the rent here, man. (laughs) Oh, but anyway, I'm sorry, but that, that's, yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming from with, with the book. Absolutely. Uh, so, so when the, something I, I, I read in the book is um, because you were sort of a regular on Friends for those early seasons. But five. I, five episodes. But because it was also a little bit sporadic that you were, every time you came back, you noticed differences in the way that the six main characters, the six main actors carried themselves and kind of you noticed that, yeah, oh, things yeah. Are, are getting to be a bigger deal around here. Did that sort of, did that carry over to you when when, when you would come back? Would it be warm yeah. feelings to see you back again? Uh, the, the great thing about Friends, and it didn't happen into any, any others, no, no reason, just how things fall in place. The great thing about Friends was, and how it was different from any others, I did five. So that was more than I had ever done in any other sitcom. So not only did I do five, but it was spread over three years. And the first one I did, Mr. Heckles, 
We weren't even, they weren't even, it wasn't even on the air yet. So nobody was a star. Nobody was anybody. We were all out of work actors and some got the lead roles and some got day players and whatever. So everybody was totally equal. Nobody knew if it would even be sold. It wasn't even on the air. They were still making the, the six. So that's how I, I said, okay, everybody's equal. Hi, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's a good actor. Wonder what he's doing. Oh, who's going to direct? It was all new and nobody knew anything. Okay. So that was it. Then it came out and it, it, it got sold. That was all. It wasn't a big hit. It got sold. So it was on. So that was the first year. Second year, I think maybe I did three, maybe in the second year, and then the th- and then the third year, I did one more. So I did one, three, and one. But in those three years, I come back, and there was a year in between. So each time I came back. The first thing that I noticed was the rehearsal clothes got really expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, man, you know, everybody's wearing these new jogging outfits the second year. (laughs) Then then, then the the second part of the second year, when I was doing the second and third one, the third and the fourth one, all of a sudden the talk was about um, uh, escrow. Closing escrow, <laughs> all buying houses. And I noticed that talk. And they were all huddling up. They weren't talking to any of the extras, any of the day players. It was all the five, you know, stars were just after, you know, cut. And they would all huddle up and talk together. And you couldn't get in there. And so that was the second thing. And then the third thing was they were talking about paving driveways you know, in gated communities. <laughs> but I saw, so that was the only time when I saw the, you know, declinations of what you're doing. And, you know, so it, it spread. So then I thought, oh, this is why I'm an actor. I'm going to be able to, you know, pave my driveway pretty soon. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden I did five shows. Now, five shows, you're a day player. You're a one-off each time. But if you do a sixth show, you're, you're a regular no you're a, a recurring and a recurring you get a huge bump up you can put a down payment on a house with a bump up so i was looking for that on the fifth one and then the fifth one of course they gave me a heart attack <laughs> mr heckles and that really that peed me that po'd me that pissed me off really i, I that was the only time i ever reacted to rejection in in acting because you got to get used to rejection it's you audition you don't get it I, I do watch the show if i don't get it i'll watch the show to see who did get it and then oh, i go oh man they picked him what the <laughs> heck what are they crazy yeah i would just go on <laughs> it's, you know just for a second and then you go you, you you blow it out and go on with your life but yeah, I would react that way. I would watch it. Was there one of the six of them who you enjoyed acting opposite the most? Is there someone who you felt that your chemistry with them was better than than than, than the others, or just one where you just went? I just really appreciated what 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 they were doing when I was opposite them. 
Well, the last part of the question is you you put your finger on it. You, or suddenly I, I appreciate it. Uh, the one who played the um, the ditzy one. Uh, what's her name? Oh, Phoebe. Um, Lisa Phoebe, Kudrow. Man. Yeah. Lisa Kudrow. She's amazing, man. She is one hell of a comic actress. Let me tell you. And so I loved working on that scene with her. She was just amazing. With the cat. That was my first scene, <laughs> cat. But if you notice, if you watch that scene again, don't pay any attention to me or the scene. Pay attention to the cat and Lisa Kudrow in that scene. Watch it. Because that cat, I don't know, maybe it didn't get enough money or something, but it didn't (laughs) want to be there. And if you watch, and the cameraman tried to move away so he didn't have the cat in the frame. You try to, you know, just shove it so the cat was just off to the side. But that cat was... And she went, and you can look at her hand. Her hand, during, we didn't have the cat during rehearsal. So she would mime petting the cat. She would hold it like this and mime petting it. And she would do that the whole scene. She would do that and, and talk and do her lines. And I thought, this is not going to work. I don't know if these people know this, but you rehearse with animals and children because you don't know what they're going to do, man. They do anything they want. And if you just rehearse with them once and it's on camera, they're improving. That cat wanted to improv. I don't know. Maybe he didn't like the part. You know, maybe I want to do something else. And he thought... Anyway, so if you watch, you see she's she's struggling and her fingers are like white knuckles. Just totally, And that cat didn't want to. Be there. <laughs> and the camera would just go. With and then finally, when the scene was over, we did it the first time. The first time with the cat on camera with an audience. They did it. And then. Uh, the wrangler, the cat wrangler, the animal wrangler, came over to get the cat because he saw what the cat was doing. He wanted to calm it down or something. And so he started to take the cat from Lisa. So she handed the cat to him. And in the transference, that cat must have jumped, I don't know, 20 feet in the air. (laughs) It just exploded up, leapt up, down, landed on its feet on the floor and ran and just disappeared backstage under things. And the director ran over and said, we can't shoot that, you know, get the cat, get the cat. We need to do the second take because, you know, the cat was doing this. And the wrangler said, that cat's gone. And then somebody else said, we're never going to find that cat. It's gone. Everybody's looking around. The cat's gone. The cat's gone. They said, well, what are we going to do? And the director said, we'll use that take, man. Let's move on. So that's why you can see this cat just going like that. Man. It's so funny. But, you know, see, those are the things that, and that's why I love Lisa Kudrow. She was a master locked-in actress. She didn't blow a line. She did the entire scene. And when that scene was over, the nurse came over and her arm was bleeding. That cat was scratching the hell out of her. She just calmly, you know, she's 
doing this. And she's calmly saying her lines. She didn't, and you know, didn't forget one thing. And, and me and the other actress, uh, you know, with the black hair, we were just like doing our lines too, but we were both stunned. You, you didn't mainly see our, our faces. It was from behind. So you didn't see my face at all. You saw from the camera was behind, shooting past me to them and, and the cat. So yeah, that was, that was an amazing thing. We didn't think we would get through it. And how would we do it again until the director just said, you know, the hell with the cat. Let's just move on. So I was very um, kind of sad because when he said, let's move on, we'll find out if we can use this scene in post, in editing, which meant to me that, oh, my God, if that cat was doing so much weirdness that they had to not use it, that's my only scene. You know, I didn't, and we weren't even on the air yet. So if that was cut, and I didn't know about the, the rest of the four scenes. I mean, that, I just came in for one day with that cat. So I thought, Man, they'll never see me. If this is a hit, I'll never be on, you know, because it's one scene, you know, and the director may say, no, we can't use it. But, but they did, luckily, and I got at least five out of it. And, and I become famous because of that. I, you know, I do cameo, and that's all they do is Mr. Heckles. <laughs> you mentioned you were... Uh, frustrated uh, when you found out that they were killing you off. I guess. Yes, I guess. <laughs> did, did did that cause? Did it cause any sort of a sense when people are recognizing you out on the street now as Mister Heckles, and you've had maybe not the the send off that you that you would want? It was all you. Did it cause any sort of a bitterness for a small season where you're like, I don't want to be associated with this part, or are you still grateful that you have this notoriety on, on account of this this well, franchise? I, you know, are you familiar with the, um, you know, I guess it's, if, I don't know his first name, Steve Reeves, something Reeves, uh, Superman, the Superman. Christopher thing. Reeves. Christopher Reeves. Are you familiar with that, that he committed suicide? You know about that, the whole thing? Or no, not? I don't. I, I know he had the, the accident on the horse. It's about, that's about all I know. Christopher Reeves committed suicide, and the reason he did, um, and I saw the, uh, the reason he did was because he couldn't get rid of the Superman thing. He couldn't work again ever after doing the Superman uh, series. They Everybody said, no, we can't hire you. Why not? Because you're Superman. And nobody's going to see the character. They're going to see, oh, there's Christopher Reeves. He's Superman. We can't use you. Sorry. He could never work again. And he committed suicide. And I was thinking about that. I said, oh, man, am I going to be Mr. Heckles for the rest of my life? No, please. Oh, God. So the rest of my life, I mean, after that, after the fame of that five, the fifth, in the third year, I was established as the character. Uh, so after the third year, during the summer when that went off and then there was no more of Mr. Heckles, then I got on the, to Cameo and then everybody started calling about you know, hey, have, have Mr. Heckles wish my friend a happy birthday or whatever. And I thought, oh, my God, man, they, I would get not, nobody else. No, not, not old Joe, not Kowalski, not anybody, Kokolovich. It was just Mr. Heckles. I, I've done thousands of Mr. Heckles things on Cameo and nobody else, maybe one or two others. 
and thousands of Mr. Heckles. And that started running through my mind. Oh my God, I'm going to be Mr. I'm going to be Mr. Heckles for the rest of my life. I, but no, it, it didn't happen. But it did uh, occur to me that I, that's what's going to happen. I'll, I'll be that for the rest of my life, and I won't be able to work anymore. I still have a hard time believing that conversation took we place. We actually did that, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was all very quick. It came around. We've had on the can for about a month. Yeah. And it was just because it was, actually it was yeah it was May something yeah, yeah. and it was I reached was out and then he was like I got time next week and I was away on the multi day stag and yeah. I said at first he was like do you want to do Friday or Saturday I was like yeah yeah I was like oh no I'm I'm I'm, I'm, out, I'm out of town uh, Mr Hankin I'm sorry can we do can we do this day instead yeah and he was like yeah yeah it's great and I uh, couldn't have been more kind with his time I mean he talked if and if you want the full interview I mean he talked a lot there a, a lot of love for Lisa Kudrow. Yeah. Which wasn't what I was expecting. You don't hear a lot about people sort of talking about how great of an actress Lisa Kudrow is. I think of the three girls. She's obviously had the, the, the smallest career post Friends. Yeah. Not a bad career, but the smallest career. Yeah, which actually seems a little bit unfair, to be fair. Well, TV stars have a hard time breaking through. Yeah. I mean, the boys, I mean, I don't know. They've all kind of struggled. Yeah. Perry's had a series of sitcoms and had some good runs that's all been critically acclaimed, but never found an audience. Yeah. He never got into film. Sorry, my phrase that he was never successful at breaking as a film star, which I still think is one of the great tragedies. Of uh, he's the guy who made just found success on the on the silver screen. I kind of thought he uh, on the sorry on the small screen. I kind of thought he might be like Robert Downey Jr., who went to TV for a bit when he could, no one would hire him anymore. Yeah, and then he found that one role. Yeah, and Matthew Perry never found that one role. No, uh, Matt LeBlanc, uh, not really too much he was on a show called episodes which is a fantastic show where he plays a fictionalized version of himself yeah um and then of course he hosted top gear over here for a couple yeah, of years yeah. and then david schwimmer did a lot of directing he's been on celebrity bake-off here in the uk oh, don't forget he's the voice of melman the giraffe in madagascar sure that's, that's so shining there's that cool so uh that's uh kind of where we leave uh where we leave that um, I'm trying to think if there was anything I'm else. I'm trying to click the that. end of that pen that does no. not click. But we're going to release <laughs> our full interview with Larry Hankin next week. And in that full interview, he shares stories about his time on Home Alone, including a couple stories that really are quite something. Yep. He talks about a short film that he wrote, directed, and starred in. Yep. And how sometimes not every director gets on with their cinematographer. <laughs> uh, he talks about Michael Richards and the time that... Uh, he played a caricature of Michael Richards, in a sense, in an episode of Seinfeld. Yep. So we talked about all those things, as well as what he's doing right now. Uh, he's, an, uh, he's an author. He's working on a second book. And uh, just, just, just a lovely chap, as yep. we would say over here. So go ahead and check out the full episode of the Larry Hankin interview when that drops next week. And now all that's left for us to drop is our ratings for this episode, our ratings. George, where are you going with us? Um, middle of the road, eh? It's not that good. Didn't, but I wasn't upset by it. Uh, I'm gonna go seven. Is that what we do on this this episode? Yeah, we go we go out of ten. Do we do numbers? Okay, yeah, we go out of ten. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go seven and a half. Okay, I like it. It's a, it's you know what? It's a Chandler episode, and this might be if this isn't the if this isn't the first Chandler episode. Mm. It's, it's, you, you don't get a lot of Phoebe episodes. You don't get early on a lot of Chan. Once Chandler and Monica become an item, you get a lot of Chandler and Monica yeah. episodes. But as far as just Chandler specific episodes, not so much in the first early seasons. No, you had a lot of Ross. You had a lot of Rachel. You had some Monica. 
Yeah. Those were your big three. I'm looking forward to moving further away from the Ross and Rachel. Well, we, and for that, for that to happen, we have to have Ross and Rachel become yeah, a thing. Yeah, I know. So there is that. So all that's left to do now is talk about what's coming up next time on Friends of the Podcast. And we're going to skip an episode. We're going to, it's a shame because every episode's got something that you wish you could talk about. <laughs> uh, we're going to skip the one where Joey makes a porno. Uh, okay. Um, which is also the first time that Ross and um, uh, what's, what, Julie have sex. Right. Which is actually a fun episode, but it's just uh, if we did all of them, we'd do all of them. Yeah. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to fast forward to Ross's birthday. Mm-hmm. We're going to do the one with five steaks and an eggplant. <laughs> so uh, this is the one is, is really one about money and what a great idea. What do you do when some of the friendship group makes a lot more money than other parts of the friendship yep. group? And how do you deal with talking about it? And how do you deal with plans? And what do you do? Because we've all had those groups that you have to be a part of. You know, I just went on a multi uh, multi day stag a couple of weeks, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and you know, I, for certain people on that trip versus others. That would have been a bigger commitment. Yeah. So an interesting thing. And then how do you talk about that amongst your friends? Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and bring that up. So it's time to put uh, to put the broom against the wall and uh, turn <laughs> the lights off. We want to thank even now Larry yeah, Hankin for joining absolutely. us uh, for, for the interview and for sharing with us some of his stories about his uh, his his career. Who didn't know Mr. Heckles? Yep. It's my opinion. It's a shame they got rid of him too so so early. Yeah. He's a sitcom character, and maybe they were evolving past that. He also does share his his views on his the, his views why on they it. Believe that, yeah. and yeah, check the book out. The book's a good read. It's a real. It's like he's. You know, I'll tell you what, the book is almost like the interview. He's like it's almost word for word when he said to us on it the interview reads, from his book. Yeah, yeah, it it reads, reads like how he speaks. It reads how he speaks. So it's a really great memoir. And I'd recommend picking it up. It's available at Amazon or I'm sure electronic uh, internet booksellers everywhere. So uh, do that. Check that out. It's, it's, it's a good time. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a good time next time when we talk about the one with five steaks and an eggplant. For Friends of the Podcast, a BFE Friends retrospective, I've been And I've been Georgia. And we're sorry, Mr. Heckles. We'll try to keep the noise down. Aww. We'll catch you on the flippity-flop. The flippity-flip-flop.